Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashtino. And if you live in the United States of America, you are, well, unless you're living under a rock, you are painfully aware of the protests that have been going on for the last five days here. Um, If you live elsewhere in the world, um, and I love my international listeners, uh, we're up to over 20 countries now. It's wonderful. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Um, Spread the word. Help us get up there. You know, help us get the word out, everything that I'm talking about. Um, But if you're from other parts of the world and you read the news, any international news, you'll also be aware that we've been having uh, major protests here in the United States. And the cause of these protests is, uh, well, the straw that broke the camel's back, if we may use the popular term, was the murder of George Floyd, a black man, by a police officer in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The officer put his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck Um, in what was a video of nine minutes with Mr. Floyd begging, please, I can't breathe. Mr. Floyd was handcuffed and in a position, there's what we call, uh, well, I don't call it, let's say the police call it, because in the police academy it's taught, positional asphyxiation when your hands are behind your back and you're placed on your chest, there's a possibility you can uh, you can suffocate. Well, this one cop had his knee, and three other cops were involved in this as well. Um, you know, holding him down, yelling at bystanders who were filming Mr. George, begging for his life. I can't breathe. The cop that had his knee on his neck smirking uh, at points. It was all filmed. It was all recorded. Um, one of the great things about everyone having a mobile device these days, is that you can't get away with things you would have gotten away with 20 years ago. Uh, you know, there are pros and cons to you know, having everything recorded all the time, but the reality is that for situations like this, you needed to. And then he wasn't arrested um, right away because they needed to investigate, of course, because you know a video of someone kneeling on the neck of someone who's complaining who's begging them, I can't breathe. Um, Obviously, we're not sure what's going on there. At least the district attorney's office, uh, you know, the the prosecutor was not. Uh, None of the other police officers as of the time of this podcast, um, which is a Sunday afternoon here in in New Jersey, none of the other officers have been charged. The officer who did murder him has been charged with third-degree murder, which um, I'm not a lawyer by trade, um, I have pretended to be one from time to time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I have spoken with certain people, and they're basically like, he's been charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter, and that's basically like, oops, did I accidentally kill someone? You know, like, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Um, again, you know, if you had just punched someone and they fell backwards and hit their head on the curb and, and died, okay, you didn't intend to kill them with that punch. I get that, and, and there needs to be room in the legal system for this. But this was straight-up murder. Um, I, I, I don't know how far a stretch for first-degree premeditated murder. I think you could make a case for it, whether the jury will buy into it, and that's the problem you have to deal with. You know, it's another question. But um, 
so what happened was you had protests in over 30 cities now in the United States. And unfortunately for some people, these protests have turned rather violent at places, burning down police precincts. Uh, There has been, of course, the looting that goes on with most of these. Uh, You know, there are elements that are in the cows that are just breaking things down. But I really want to bring what's going on to you uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I really want those of you who listen to me, I really want you to think about what's going on. And I, I want to bring a lot of stuff up that I think many news media organizations are not talking about. I mean, the main thing for the media right now, CNN, MSNBC, you know, BBC, you know, legitimate news organizations, they're looking to report what's going on. They have reporters in the field, okay? Many of whom, by the way, have been arrested, have been shot at. Um, one, we can talk about that at a later point, about how, you know, one of the main things that the police don't want are for uh, the media to be directly reporting what's going on, uh, you know, because then when they do things, like in New York, like run over people with cars, uh, you know, that, that, that gets reported and makes people unhappy. When they shoot rubber bullets at people, when they, when they hit reporters with rubber bullets, um, you know, that makes people unhappy and they don't want that being seen. You know, it's pretty funny. We, we talked about uh, one time in, in one of my uh, university classes uh, many moons ago how the difference between the coverage of Vietnam and the coverage, for example, of Wars Day, um, you know, now you have embedded reporters, okay? The guys that go out there and they're, you know, they, they, they get to film what, what they want them to film. Um, you know, Vietnam, it was basically just, you know, they went up, they talked to people, they did this and that. And that's why the American people got a very clear picture of what was going on and why they became very unhappy. And that's why in wars subsequent to that in the United States, it's been like, listen, the last thing we want is the media going out there and actually getting to report and let the American people know exactly what's going on because it might make them unhappy. You know, we're going to do like in World War II, where basically we look over all the film footage and determine what gets to go back and what the American people get to see and what they don't get to see, okay? So I wanted to talk a little bit about this, though, and I wanted to start uh, right off the bat, the roots of the protest, okay? So the roots of this protest, many people point to George Floyd's death, but in the past couple of months in the United States, there have been numerous cases of African Americans being murdered, okay? And I, and I say murdered because it's not... Killing is one thing, right? And there is a legal definition, and I know that several of my uh, lawyer friends who will listen to this, and, and maybe many of you out there, I consider you my friends if you're listening to this, you might be a lawyer and you might say, well, actually, it's technically this and that. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer by trade. Uh, but there's a difference between accidentally killing someone, not intending to kill someone, and going out with the intention, or going out either with the intention to do harm to someone, to kill them, or going out there and doing things where, you know, like with Trayvon Martin, with George Zimmerman, where, you know, he called 911 and they were like, listen, leave it alone. You don't have to do, don't go after him. And he continued to go after him. And then a fight broke out. Now, you can make all the arguments you want about, well, you know, the, he felt threatened by Trayvon. Okay, had he not, had he listened to 911 and not continued to pursue this person, would have been the case. Mud Arbery, another excellent example. You know, you had these two guys went out looking for him. They went out armed looking to get this guy. 
and they got him, okay? Uh, and they shot him and killed him. Now, you know, again, had they not been going out armed, looking for this person, wouldn't have happened, okay? You have the police, uh, Brianna Taylor, breaking into the apartment. Her and, and her boyfriend, Rich, is an EMT. Uh, she was shot and killed. It was a no-knock, which means in the United States, and I really don't know if, this is, if they do this in a lot of other countries. I don't. Um, please let me know through the comments and whatnot if they do. In the United States, sometimes they, they call it a no-knock. And what, they, what that means is that basically the police show up at the front door when they think, okay, uh, at this address, you know, 585 Worthington Boulevard, there's a drug den. So they show up and basically they smash the front door open and they go, it's not the typical, like, this is the police, open the door. They don't do that. They smash the door open and they flood in um, and they murdered her. Uh, you know, they, they shot her to death. In that case, maybe maybe we don't call it murder. Uh, she was sleeping in bed with her boyfriend. They, they uh, shot her up. Uh, she was hit eight times. She was killed. It turned out it was the wrong address, okay? Uh, her boyfriend, who was licensed to carry a weapon, uh, the police later claimed that he shot at the police. They charged him. The prosecutor's office charged him with assault on police. He had no idea who these people were. To him, his house was being broken into in the middle of the night. And I'll tell you in the United States, because we have this lovely thing called the Second Amendment, uh, the right to bear arms. We all know it here because nobody ever lets us forget it. But the whole point is, oh, man, you know, when something happens to a family at home, everyone says, imagine if you had had a gun, you know, imagine if you had had a gun, you know, you would have been able to defend your family, you'd have been able to shoot off the intruders and everything. I'm stealing a bit of that from uh, Jim Jeffries, by the way. So Mr. Jeffries, if you're listening, if anyone knows him, let him know. I appreciate it. And I'm credit where credit is due. His bid on gun rights, if you haven't listened to it, Jim Jeffries, you know, gun rights, it's, it's out of this world. Most of everything he does out of this world. But anyway, uh, so her boyfriend did what any person would do. If you have a bloody gun, you, you shoot back at whoever's coming into your house. He didn't know it was the police and never identified themselves. So anyway, the roots of this, though, were that you had situations like this. Then you had a young lady in New York City in Central Park whose dog was off the leash, was running around, and uh, a gentleman who's African-American asked her, could you please put the dog on a leash? It says that you have to have the dog on the leash. And this younger Caucasian woman said no. And eventually, after a little back and forth, where he was filming... He was filming, by the way, okay? This woman knew she was being filmed, uh, told him to stop it, and he said no. She said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call the police right now and tell them there's an African-American male, you know, who's threatening me. That's what she said. And he said, yeah, go ahead. Now, think about that, though. This is a woman. Why say an African-American male threatening me? Why not just say, there's a person threatening me here, there's a man threatening me here. No, no, no. An African-American male threatening me. Why? Because this is a definition of white privilege. We have this thing that we call white privilege in the United States. Okay? And, and you know, it exists. You, you really can't debate this. And this is not impugning on white people. Okay? This is not a, a racist comment. This is a factual comment. Okay? It's, no, it's, it's like saying... The New York Yankees have the most number of World Series wins, okay? It, it's not, I'm not saying that as a New York Yankees fan. Uh, I'm not, okay? I root for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who haven't won in a long time. But, you know, you're not saying that. 
what you're saying is you're stating a fact that certain things exist and that they're used. She said that because the insinuation was to this man who is African-American, a little older than her, do you, do, it was basically saying, you know what's going to happen, right? You know the police are going to hear that there's a black man threatening a, a white woman, and they're going to come down and, and put the hammer down. So all of this led to um, eventually the straw that broke the camel's back, George Floyd, and protests started breaking out in cities all across, starting in, in Minneapolis, where it happened, and then going on. Now... You know, the real problem here is that everyone likes says, oh, you know, and then things turned to looting. Nothing started really happening until law enforcement started interfering and cracking down. There are a lot of talk about what we call agent provocateurs. There are rumors that a lot of, there were, you know, undercover police were coming in and that there were right-wing forces coming in and doing things like starting the looting because they wanted to give the police an opportunity to crack down. Okay. Um, by the way, in cities where the police have actually talked to the people, where the police have actually marched with the protesters and said, yes, we understand there are problems with cops in this country. Not all of them, by no means all of them. Okay. But there are problems with cops and we need to deal with this. That's called self-recognition. And in those, those cities, there hasn't been any violent protesting. There hasn't been any shooting. No cops have been assaulted. No police cars have been destroyed. Places are not being looted. Why? Because the people feel, you know what? We're being listened to. And that's what it comes down to. When you feel that you're being listened to, you're capable of saying, okay, now let's have a conversation. But when you feel that nothing you say matters, when you say, you know, we've been telling people about this, for years, I mean, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick was called, uh, uh, you know, a number of different things when he took a knee. He was taking a knee to call attention to exactly what has been going on. And whether you agreed with him or not, the bottom line was it was completely peaceful. All he did was take a knee during the national anthem. Now you can go on. It's disrespectful. It's this, it's that. Colin Kaepernick at no point called out for people to do anything violent, to, for people to assault the cops, for people to go rioting. He just took a knee, calling attention to police brutality that was going on, especially within the African-American communities. But when people ignore that, when people feel that the government is ignoring that, then they simply say, well, you know what, then maybe if we break some things. Which brings me to the second point I wanted to really bring up. A lot of this has to deal with the way that people feel about class distinctions in this country. The United States is a country with ridiculous class discrepancies. Uh, you know, we have extreme poverty in this country, uh, and we also have tremendous wealth. And the difference between the wealthy and, and the not wealthy has been accelerating in years, uh, in, in the years that have been going on last few decades. Uh, many younger people feel that there is no longer any kind of a sense of, you know, that, that wealthier people don't care about them, that businesses don't care about them. All they're interested in is in squeezing out the next dollar. There's no sense of, you know, what happens if I get sick? I don't have health insurance. Like, isn't that, uh, you know, shouldn't that be something maybe we consider a human right? No, it shouldn't. You get sick, you die. Or, oh, go to the hospital, you know, and plead indigence. You know, p 
people want to work. It always reminds me of the people look at things today, and it's a very common excuse, and it's, it's not true at all. This, oh, these people don't want to work. They just want to get a check. If you look back to the Great Depression, people in the, in the United States, people have always wanted to work. They want to feel there is something about working that's very, it, it's intrinsic to feeling part of being a human being. You know, you feel that you're, you're creating something. Are there lazy people out there who don't want to work? Of course there are. There's no question. There always will be. There will always be bad people. You know, there will always be people who are trying to game the system. But overwhelmingly, if you were to give people the opportunity to work, you, you would. Uh, but that's the problem is that capitalism is not really about that, okay? Capitalism is about creating the greatest amount of profit and, and squeezing it. And I understand that there have been decent capitalists in the past. I'm not going to dis- dispute that. There have been people who have used capitalism uh, to make money for themselves and for others. But in the current system that we have, capitalism is really just something that is squeezing people. It's squeezing communities. They're upset about it. They're upset about what's going on. What, you know, And they feel that the police are pretty much the guardians of the capitalist class. And by that, I mean, <clears throat> you know, when, when people get killed, if, if a bunch of people get killed somewhere, you know, the police show up. But God forbid you break into a target. God forbid there's any kind of property destruction. Uh, the police immediately, you have, you have swarms, okay? And the way that people look at that in the United States you know, the younger people look at that as, well, you're more interested in protecting businesses. And businesses are all insured, okay? Now, I'm not, but don't don't get me wrong, I am not suggesting that it's perfectly okay to go and to destroy private property or anything like that. I am not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is that there seems to be a, tr- a lot more of a focus by the police in defending the more well-to-do and the businesses in this country and the banks and whatnot, uh, then there is about defending actual people. When people call up and say, listen, we're having problems in this part of the town, we're having crimes, it becomes, oh, well, you know. So you have that. Um, another thing going on right now, one of the reasons I think that you've got such a tremendous explosion of, of just raw emotion, we have this other thing I know is kind of falling off the radar. It's called the coronavirus. Um, yeah, remember that? I did a couple of podcasts about it. And the coronavirus is still killing thousands of people a day in the United States. Um, you know, some states are no longer reporting it. It's really funny. Florida, um, Florida is not reporting anymore. No one's dying of coronavirus there anymore. Isn't that great? I mean, thousands of people are dying of pneumonia, but t- totally not coronavirus. Okay. Um, and as I explained to, uh, you know, I just, I was telling one of my uh, students one time, I said, you know, uh, in the history of the world, no one has ever died of AIDS. Nobody. Nobody died of AIDS. AIDS destroys your immune system, and then you die from something like pneumonia, okay? But one could argue that if you didn't have AIDS, you might have been able to beat pneumonia. I have a pre-existing condition, okay? A heart condition. I've had it since I was born. Uh, but I've lived, uh, you know, I've been living uh, f- over four decades of my life with it. Been okay. I've gotten sick from time to time. Now, if I got coronavirus tomorrow and I ended up dying five days later, uh, 
you could make the argument, well, he didn't die from coronavirus. He died because he had a heart problem. Yes, but the coronavirus really kind of was the thing that helped kill me, okay? It was the, the thing that, you know, I was living with the heart problem for years, all right? And now all of a sudden I get coronavirus and I die. But no, the coronavirus has nothing to do with it, okay? So you have, you have millions of people who are home, and all of a sudden now you're seeing these people take to the streets because they're fed up. They're fed up with what's going on with the government. They're fed up with the government response to things. Um, and you wonder if if we didn't have, if, if businesses didn't punish people for going out to protest, how many people would show up for protests of a lot of different things, okay? A lot of different things. So we've got that going on, and I think that's why you're seeing larger numbers than you might normally see, because normally you might have these businesses saying, listen, if you go protest, that's it, you're fired. Um, you don't have that right now, okay? Really, this is, for me, the end result of what we call divisiveness. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, when people say something like Black Lives Matter, and then they say, no, all lives matter. Don't say Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. Okay, but you realize that all lives don't matter unless black lives matter. So if all lives matter, I'm all with you. But then when you constantly have black people being, in, you know, killed by the police uh, and by other white people, then it starts becoming like, well, I mean, then do black lives really matter? And if you can't guarantee that black lives matter, then all lives really don't matter. I mean, we don't want people being killed you know, the average police officer goes out there to do their job, wants to come home at the end of the night, park their cruiser, go home to their family, go watch a ball game with their kid or something like that. Uh, but, you know, when you have people feeling that these these guys are not on the same side, that creates a problem. It creates a problem. And like I said, fortunately, there are police in, in, in several different cities, uh, different states, who are reaching out to the communities, and they're working with them, and that's why you don't see any violence or any looting in those communities, because it's amazing what happens when you don't feel that you're basically, you know, uh, the, 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 SWAT squad, the SWAT squad, uh, you know, all the time. And you have a lot of problems because people hear things, people hear wording. I mean, uh, you know, I talked about how within the last week, you've had... Two different comments come out. Um, you know, you, you've had the use of the word thugs to describe the protesters. Uh, whereas in Michigan, you had people show up at the state house armed to the teeth. Guys showing up with, with assault rifles, screaming at the police, chanting things at the people who were going in, the Congress, uh, Congress people who were going in there. Um, nothing was done about that. In Kentucky... People showed up in front of the governor's house, armed, and hanged him in effigy, okay? Um, and, and there was nothing done about that. And yet, then people show up, you know, hands up, you know, don't, don't shoot, I can't breathe, say his name, George Floyd. And you've got, you know, a phalanx of cops, and they're unarmed. I know, people could tell when they were throwing rocks, they're throwing this and that. Well, let me tell you something. Anytime you really want anytime you want to have a an online battle with me we'll set up something and my guys get to have you know semi-automatic weapons and your guys can have all the rocks and all the frozen water bottles that you want okay and we'll just 
We'll see who comes out of that one on top. But that's what I'm saying is people are seeing this. And when you have the president saying things like, oh, you know, these are good people and, you know, echoes of what happened in Charlottesville. There are very fine people on both sides. As I've said before, I said it, I'll say it again and I'll say it and I don't care who hears it. There are no good Nazis. Okay, if you are a Nazi, if you are a neo-Nazi, whatever the heck you want to call yourself, you're not a good person. Okay, and I will never apologize for saying that. You know, I've always I've said that in my school. I've said it aloud. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem saying it time and again. And if you really believe, if you really have a problem with me for saying there are no good Nazis, then that's that's a big problem. Then you have to really look in the mirror, or probably if you really feel that way, then you don't have to look in the mirror because you're perfectly okay with things. Um, and, you know, we really have no clear leadership uh, at all going on right now. Um, unfortunately, you know, David Gergen talked about it today, and he's he's been an advisor to multiple presidents over the last few decades, a CNN contributor right now. Uh, but he says, you know, there's no leadership, there's nothing coming out. Um, you know, the president making comments like, you know, if people had scaled the, 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 the perimeter of the White House, they would have been met with vicious dogs. And, you know, I was talking with a good friend of mine, and I was like, vicious dogs, uh, where have we heard that before? Oh, that's right. We heard that, you know, during the Civil Rights Movement, where police in Alabama, you know, they, they sick police dogs on the protesters. There are pictures... All you, you know, go Google civil rights, or don't Google, duck, duck, go it, because we like duck, duck, go here. Uh, you know, civil rights movement dogs, okay? We had a number of pictures of that. Uh, when I was down in Birmingham, when I went to visit, um, you know, they have a statue of, uh, you know, an officer with a dog attacking, um, you know, an African-American protester. So, I mean, don't tell me that that wasn't, you know, the vicious dogs. Why would you mention dogs? You say, if you said, like, okay, listen, they would have been mowed down by the military. All right, you know, that's, I don't agree with that. But, hey, you know what? That's something I could see being like, listen, Secret Service would have shot you if you went over. And we all know that they have a job to protect the president. Um, you know, they don't really care who it is. It's the bottom line is it's the president. And that's how we run things here, okay? You don't threaten that, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the perimeter of the White House. But again, and then when he talked about when the looting starts, the shooting starts, and again, people brought that up, and it's like, oh, I never heard of that before. You know, I mean, that's no different, really. Uh, you know, if someone came out tomorrow and said something, uh, you know, ridiculous that had been said in the past, like, you know, uh, something that had been said by by Joseph Goebbels or something. Oh, I had no idea that that was a Nazi thing to say. No, you did. You were saying it because it's what we call a dog whistle. You know, you're just making these comments. And people in the know, know, okay? They're like, oh, ho, ho, I see what's being said. You know, and I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm not accusing the president of things. I'm simply citing what he said and pointing out the direct historical connotations to it. So we've got that going on, and now he's going to declare Antifa, which is, I mean, Antifa, for those of you who don't know, Antifa stands for anti-fascist, okay? It's a very, very loose organization. I mean, it's really kind of like, it's, I, I don't even know how to explain it. 
Like, it's not like you go to a website and, you know, antifa.com or .org, you know, hey, I would like to join up. It's not like that. It's just a loose coalition of left-wing individuals who are against capitalism and against fascism. And again, um, you know, I I get the whole, some people might be like, ooh, against uh, capitalism, I'm not that sure. But against fascism is not a bad thing. We like being against fascism. Fascism is bad, okay? It's, it's a terrible system. Um, again, maybe if you disagree with me, uh, I don't know what to say. But I will say that I am, I am an anti-fascist. Um, I am not a member of Antifa because there is no such thing as being a member of Antifa. There's, there's no grouping. It's just people that go out and do this stuff under the banner of this, Okay. The president is going to have Antifa declared a terrorist organization. Um, To my knowledge, and I looked this up, and and again, if I'm wrong, I sincerely apologize, but to my knowledge, the Ku Klux Klan is not a terrorist organization. It's a designated hate group. It's not a terrorist organization. This is absurd. Antifa has never... The Klan has a history going back to the 1870s in three different iterations of basically, you know, lynching, murdering otherwise, burning down black houses, black churches, threatening, uh, being very active in anti-voting movements across the South and the North, okay? These people somehow are not, they're not terrorists, but Antifa, which, again, nobody's been able to really link them with anything. It's just like, all right, you know, guys show up with this. Um, They're terrorists all of a sudden. And again, you know, this is a perfect deflection move. We're trying to push all of this new, oh, it's the radical left that's doing this. It's not the radical left, I can tell you that right now, okay? Um, I I don't think that anti-capitalism, this is not... The radical left. Are there radical leftists involved? Sure. But <laughs> socialists are not the radical left, okay? They're left of center, all right? I mean, radical leftists would be almost on, like, the, you know, anarchist, you know, uh, communist severe front. Not everyone wants that. There are a lot of leftists who are not communists, okay? A lot of leftists who are certainly not anarchists. Um, so stop trying to blame it on that, you know? Try and recognize that it is really a, a reaction by a lot of people who are just tired of the way that this goes on and tired of how every so often we just have to have more burials of individuals, you know, and, and it's just, I mean, you know, unfortunately in this country, in the United States, racism is part and parcel of who we are, okay? It has always been that way. This country was built on the backs of black slaves who were taken to these shores against their will. You could find so many African Americans today who can trace themselves back to uh, slaves that were brought over. Uh, Again, you know, you could say, well, you know, at least they're doing all right now. Well, yeah, that's great, but their ancestors weren't doing too well. And we had to have a civil war about that, okay? In the United States, a bloody civil war that took place over the issue of slavery. You know, don't try and make the argument it was about anything else. It was about slavery, okay? That was all it was. Um, and eventually, you know, it was, it was won by the Union. The Confederate States 
you know, had to come back in. Slavery was abolished. But then it went right back to the way things were, you know, in, in the South. And, and you, you still had this, this racism. And I'm not just going to blame the South for this because there's plenty of racism in the North as well. You know, that's, but that's the problem is it's, you know, I think that the younger generation now, fortunately, fortunately, is starting to realize that, you know what, this is, you know, racism is BS, okay? We're all in this together. You know, young, black, white, Latino, Asian, that doesn't matter, okay? We're all in this, we're all trying to make things better. And, and I applaud that, and that's why you see in a lot of the protests, you know, I know that they would love to just, you know, some news organizations would love to just show nothing but African-Americans, especially young African-American males who they love to target as being the ones that are going out doing everything. But no, you're seeing people of, every, you're, you're seeing everything from, you know, you know, white hippies, you're seeing African-American men, women, you're seeing, you know, uh, Sikhs with turbans on you know, involved, you know, just marching peacefully, you're seeing everyone holding hands, you're seeing Muslims, you're seeing, you know, Muslims with uh, the hijab on, you know, marching in this, you know, saying that we want an end to racism and we want an end to police brutality. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing because that's where we need to go. We need to get to that point where we can finally say that, you know, people are no longer, you know, going after this. Now, I I don't know that we ever will, unfortunately. Um, I think that there's a tremendous, you know, racism is just, it's a wedge issue, to be honest. Um, you know, it's something that is meant to divide. It's something that is meant to keep people from realizing that the real, um, <coughs> apologies, the real issues are, are class conflict uh, in the United States. Uh, but in order to get people to stop unifying, they need to keep people separate. And that's what, you know, racial conflict is all about. Because, you know, if someone is, if someone is black and someone's white and they're both of the same age and they're both of the same social class and, and economic class, and normally they'd be like, all right, you know, let's, let's fight the power here. Let's fight against what these corporations are doing. But if you can get the white person to look at the black person and be like, this guy's trying to take my land, trying to take my job, this and that, and the black guy gets to look at the white guy and say, well, this is a problem because, you know, the, the, the whitey's trying to do this and that, then you've accomplished your goal. You've got racial discord, and these two will never unify. When they do unify, that's when, that's when the powers that be get nervous because they can no longer use racial distinction to create a wedge, and that's really what we have to fight. We have to fight this constantly. Uh, as a people, we have to come together. We have to continue fighting, and, and hopefully, hopefully at some point, leadership from wherever it comes, but, but leadership that promotes, promotes uh, unity will come and, and will help um, soften a lot of what's going on right now. So uh, hopefully... I have given you a, a good understanding of what's going on. As always, please do feel free to email or, or uh, you know, um, hit me up on uh, Instagram, you know, Antonius Optimus. Um, you know, you can leave stuff through uh, Apple Recording or through um, Anchor 
and uh, I will check things out. And uh, yeah, I mean, how much longer will this go on? Honestly, I have no idea. I don't. Um, it, it, it could be, it could be days more. Right now, I will tell you this: the latest that I've seen, um, the government is sending in the National Guard, the military, um, in order to try and quell things. And I think that that's going to play a major role um, because, I mean, going after cops is one thing. Going after armed, uniformed soldiers in fatigues, they do create a different um, an image. The optics are different. Hopefully they don't get stupid and start shooting people because that would be a nightmare scenario. Uh, you know, you have to go... <laughs> I have to pull out uh, my old vinyl of... Um, Crosby, Still, Nash and Young, you know, Ohio, and uh, harken back to the uh, the Nixon days. But uh, hope, hopefully that doesn't happen. Anyway, uh, for those of you listening to me, if you're in the United States, please stay safe wherever you are. I mean, if you're going to protest, protest. Please stay safe. Stay within the boundaries of doing things that won't end up getting you all busted up. Um, if you are in the rest of the world and not having... Uh, you know, riots and protests, uh, um, then please, by all means, still continue staying safe from coronavirus. It is still out there. It doesn't care what your political affiliation is. It doesn't care how you feel about sports. Um, it's, it's a very nasty thing, and hopefully you're taking the appropriate steps. And I just want to say much love to all of you, and I will talk to you guys again soon. Bye-bye.